and welcome to this episode of The Costumiers. I'm Penny. And I'm Lucy. And we're going to be trying something different this time, um, simply because, in all honesty, we've just been struggling a bit to uh, get our schedules in line, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we've been pretty full on recently. <laughs> yeah, work has picked up for both of us, which is great, not complaining at all. No, the world is back. <laughs> yes, but it's just not left uh, very much time for us to meet up and record uh, the hour-long episodes. Yeah. So we thought we would try uh, kind of mini-episodes, I suppose. Yeah, we're trying to think of like a, a shot, that yeah. kind of idea, and do some snippets of information that we think might be quite interesting, quite fun to listen to, and very easy. Yeah. Instead of a committed hour. Yeah, exactly. I suppose each one will have a different subject, as we normally do, and we'll have a little discussion, but it just won't be as in-depth. So if you're just quickly popping to the shops, or you've got a short commute because you're a very lucky person, then maybe uh, these short episodes will be for you. Yeah. So what have you been up to, Penny? Well, I am principal costume maker on The Nevers, part two, which will probably be part of series one, because that's what we were working on when the pandemic hit. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice to be back on that and finishing it. <laughs> uh, Victorian era, so delicious costumes. So, yeah. yeah, everything's Glad beautiful to be to back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I'm in the design team for the new Argyle film. Nice. Um Matthew Vaughan, so it's a bit out there. It's it's great actually. Um, yeah. It's contemporary. Yeah, I can't say too much. Nice. It's, uh, it's fun. It's really good. It's challenging. It's different. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So for this shot, we wanted to discuss a topic that we both found really interesting. Actually, the secret language of the hand fan. So the idea of the hand fan came from the palm leaf, which in southern and eastern countries was used during the heat to create the breeze and repel insects, you know, flies or whatever, as you do now. Yeah. But the original folding hand fan came from Japan and was introduced into Europe in the 16th century. I've actually made a tiny fan here for me and Penny out of some paper. Yes, it's (laughs) fetching, to say the least. (laughs) I need to decorate it. But it wasn't until the reign of Elizabeth I, who was the keen user of the fan, that they became popular in the UK. It was at the court of Louis XIV that fans became an essential accessory and etiquette dictated that fans had to remain closed so in that kind of flat position yeah on um, uh, like folded folded up yeah, yeah in the presence of the king or the queen and thus the guard sticks which are the two stiff parts at the end of the fan became more and more elaborated because obviously that would be seen more yeah they were really overly decorated and it was almost a status symbol wasn't it yeah it, it was more about the wealth then yeah. it, was, it was at his parties you wouldn't be seeing them just on the streets at that point yeah I can only imagine how gorgeous those parties yeah. would have been <laughs> yeah well it's also believed that gestures and hand movements using these fans created a secret language and now if you're thinking that it's an age where women had to conform to strict rules of etiquette especially in court and at these types of parties the secret language could become an ideal way for a lady to discreetly communicate and flirt with lovers So, in 1797, there was actually a fan created that was named the Fanology or Ladies' Conversation Fan by Charles Francis Bedini. And it's the most amazing fan. We found a picture of it, didn't we, on the Museum of Fine Arts Boston website. I think they must have it in their archives. I'm not quite sure. I think it's in their collection. We'll we'll put it on our Instagram, but it's, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's this fan and it's coded with all the kind of familiar questions and respective answers 
of yeah. how these women should communicate with each other. It's actually got lettered inscriptions printed on the fan of yeah. how to use it for fan sign language, I suppose yeah. you could call it. Yeah. Rather than just what hand movements and positions the fan is in, determining a full uh, meaning, yeah. you're actually spelling out a full sentence with your movements rather than just saying one statement. Yeah, yeah. The directions begin by saying that there are eight different motions that are all needed to impart the whole alphabet and the position of the fan to various parts of the face indicates which number is being referred to and each number is related to a different letter to create this coded language and it's it's really in depth it's so clever it's fascinating yeah the fan's unbelievable i'd love a picture of that just yeah, anywhere yeah and uh, to see it in person definitely oh. trip to boston yeah <laughs> So, after a lot of research, there are quite a few different variations of the fan languages. Yeah. Um, but we do uh, have one in front of us now, which we can test. <laughs> and yeah. I have my tiny fan. <laughs> um, there's a few that we thought we should share with you because they are pretty funny. Right, so what you do one and I'm going to do one now. you're trying to say to me. Okay, so you're drawing it across your forehead. Yeah. Which is... We are watched. We are being watched, Penny. Yeah. That person across one. the dance floor is watching us. Cool, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Right, okay, my turn. So, um, <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, you're brushing your cheek, your right hand side. Oh, 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 I love you too. <laughs> there are some funny ones. There's one that's if the fan's completely shut, it just means you have changed. Yeah, <laughs> but also placing it in the right ear means you have changed. And I've just got really hilarious images of these women standing there with fans poking out of just their horizontally ears. Stick out. <laughs> and their husband being like, are you all right, love? He's she's like, like, yeah, she's got an itchy ear. Yeah. <laughs> all right, now you've changed. <laughs> you've changed. There's some good ones. There's, I wish to get rid of you, which is twirling it in your left hand. Yeah. Or if you tap the handle on your lips, which is kiss me. But also, I kind of wonder if there were just maybe some mindless people, like, you know, when you just stood at the bus stop or something and you've kind of got a finger on your lip because you're just mindlessly doing something like that. Imagine if you were stood on a dance floor and you're staring into space, tapping the fan on your lip, and then the next minute you know, someone's getting accosted on the stairs because someone's planted an absolute smacker on you because you've signalled that you've kissed them. (laughs) It says here, if you fan it slowly, you're married and flanning... Fanning? Fanning Fanning fast means you're engaged. So you don't want to get confused with those either. Yeah. Well, maybe. It's probably quite subtle. I guess people had a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) open and shut means you are cruel. So So what is it? Snap it. Yeah, you've got to whip it. So as well as using the fans for secretly communicating in code, you could also have, I guess, a novelty fan that was used to actually hide secret objects. Uh, You've got various little things like a little bit of perfume or vials of medicine in the handles. Yeah, and it says here you could use pencil and tiny notes of who to dance with and secret love letters in the fan as well. So you could kind of slip them into each other. Yeah. Which is really sweet, yeah. Or they could be adapted to hold snuff boxes or opera glasses, for example, for when the entertainment was flagging you, you you could have the handle that was turned into a flute oh that was uh part of our little research that could be like a party trick couldn't it like oh i know what this party needs yeah <laughs> jazz flute, flute. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like what's he now command when he just whips it out of his sleeve oh yeah <laughs> 
I wonder if there's some... Uh, there must have been some dodgy goings on with them as well. You know, about a few... A few weapons. A few weapons, a few crimes could have been yeah. hidden in those um, yeah. fans because... They do say that Jack the Ripper could have been a woman. Oh, well, there you go. You could have had a tiny, tiny little knife in there. To be fair, also, it was probably quite terrifying walking the streets of London. Although if you were a lady, you would most likely have been escorted. But I oh, think I'd feel, a, I'd feel like a bit more comforted if you had a tiny little weapon hidden in a fan yeah. when you were walking home. I know, I think... Um, I'm not condoning carrying weapons, by the way. No. I've just realised what But I've everyone said. should carry a fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if there just so happens to be a knife. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, as well as the fan having practical uses of keeping cool or a form of communication, we wanted to discuss a different style of fan, the burlesque ostrich plume fan, which was used more as a prop for performances. The flapper is noted for bringing back the ostrich plume fan, and in 1919, Zelda Fitzgerald carried a fan at her wedding, which inspired many of the elite ladies to follow suit. Yeah, exactly. And then it started to become a bit risque as burlesque and carnival performers used them as large props to reveal but conceal their almost naked bodies as they moved around the stage seductively. And at the 1933 Chicago World Fair, Sally Rand debuted her infamous fan dance. Have you seen pictures of this? Yeah, yeah. it's stunning. And she she played this kind of peekaboo with the audience as she flounced and twirled with giant white plumed fans to the tune of Claire de Lune. And she quickly climbed to stardom and is known as one of the figureheads of feather fan dancing. Yeah, that's amazing. I wonder if we can get, we'll try and get a little clip and put it as a video on Instagram or yeah, pictures. Yeah, share definitely. that. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you've got people like Dita Von Tees now who, yeah, I mean, she she's, does, there's so yeah. many burlesque dancers, but she's one of the famous ones now. Yeah, and she still she uses one. them. Yeah. yeah. I think there's something so classy about them. Yeah, absolutely. So, if this episode has tickled your fancy, <laughs> get out. <laughs> there's so many fan jokes that could have happened. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> oh. um, we have a list of a few movies that um, display kind of what we've been saying about the fan language. Yeah, where you can um, see fans in action. Yeah, there's there's quite a few out there. Um, it's been quite difficult to research other ones. I suppose because when you Google fan, it just comes up with people who are fans. Fans of the films, yeah. 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 Um, but the obvious one has to be the 2006 Marie Antoinette film um, with Kirsten Dunst. The fans were made by Sylvian Le Guin a designer of fans. Apologies on getting the name wrong there. <laughs> um, and he made over 30 fans for the film. Yeah, so. that was quite a visually yeah interesting movie, if anyone hasn't seen it. In uh, To Catch a Thief, with the beautiful Grace Kelly in 1955, with her gold dress and everything. And you've got 2004, A Good Woman, which is adapted from Oscar Wilde's 1892 play Lady Windermere's Fan. Scarlett Johansson is a rich American abroad in the 1930s, uh, whose fan symbolises love and commitment in that marriage, and I think she uses it quite often in that film. Yeah. Then you've got Audrey Hepburn in War and Peace. I think that was 1956, and she carries it everywhere. And uh, the last two we suggest would be Funny Girl from 1968 with Barbara Streisand and Marilyn Monroe in Some Like It Hot in 1959. So that's a whole little list of films to check out that feature fans. Yeah. 
Um, for places, we would definitely recommend the Fan Museum in Greenwich, London, and it owns over 5,000 fans. Yeah, that has been on my list of places to go for a really long time, actually. I can't believe there's a museum just for fans. Yeah, and, and the, that we haven't been to it. I know. That's actually more shameful, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> we have to. And there's also one in Paris as well. Yeah, I think it's pronounced the Musée de l'Eventail. Every French person that's listening to this. Oh, we're so sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Um, We'll put the information up as well, definitely, because this uh, this has been really interesting to research. It's all. It has also been quite difficult to try to condense it down to a short episode. Yeah. Because as soon as you start researching something, you get really carried away, and there's so many little snippets of information that you want to add in. You get down a rabbit hole, and you're looking through the next bit and the next bit, and what does that mean? And who was that? And when were they born? And oh wow, that related to this person, which is in this film. And yeah, before you know it, you're on a different topic about a different accessory. Yeah. So I hope we've managed to include enough interesting information without it feeling too rushed. Yeah, so we hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Costume Years and you want a short. A short, yeah. Tiny little short. hot pants. A little Lucy says, shorts. And you say, short. Short. We're going to have to come to an agreement on how to pronounce that word. <laughs> oh, we've really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, and we hope you tune into the next one. Bye. Bye.